Welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I am here with Pastor Evan. And I am here too, and we're twinning. We're here. We're together. It's, uh, it's shirt. been a great weekend. They won't see it, though. They're only hearing us talk about our shirts. Mm. Mm. But at Compass Bible Church, Life Group Leaders, we always want to remind you of our mission statement that we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do at Compass, including this podcast for you, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we are back into our, our series, Summer on the Mount, and this week we were talking about righteous generosity in the framework of having the right motives. And so, would you like to read our main text, Pastor Evan, to remind our life group leaders where we are? All right, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, what was your main point from this sermon based on Matthew 6, 1 through 4? It's that uh, your generosity should never be motivated by human recognition, but by your commitment to God, who sees your generosity and rewards you as his child. And that found its expression in three teaching points from verse 1. You need to check your motives. Now, point number 2 from verse number 2 is don't settle for less. And then verses 3 and 4 and point number 3 is give to glorify God. I think we can tear those apart a little bit to kind of dig into those for our life group leaders. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good place to start. Well, one of the first questions reading over over my notes that I took in your sermon can you re, kind of let re, us know again? I'm going to say rehash. Reiterate. Reiterate. That's the word. Reiterate the seen versus sees the you know the difference between we see it in the we see it in the language uh, in English, but in Greek right. it's different. Yeah, I mean we don't see it in English is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, we don't we don't see it the way that you don't see the which C's. is ironically because it is see. Uh, you have two Greek words, uh, theomai and blipo, as the words for seen. Uh, and uh, in verse 1 and verse 4, sees. The verse 4 word is blipo, and the verse 1 word is theomai. And uh, it's important, a helpful way to understand verse 1 is comes from the noun form of this word is theatron, where we get the English word for theater. And so Jesus is drawing a connection that your being seen in verse 1 has to do with you parading uh, around uh, and you using the world as your platform uh, to make things about you. And so uh, that's a completely different word than what we see in verse 4, which is talking about how even the things in secret, and particularly the things done in secret, do not escape the sight of God who sees in secret and will reward you for being faithful uh, and discreet in the way that you would be generous. Well, as coming to think of it as you as you were talking is well here's a question that people might object to in our life groups. Like, okay, why does God care about 
our motivation so much. If we're just doing good things, isn't that good enough? Why does he care about our motivation if we're going to feed someone who's hungry? I think you care about motivations. I mean, it's not it's not uh, foreign to believe that God would care about your motives because uh, we can only know what is good based on the goodness of God and what God's uh, standard is for morality. I mean, this goes back, right back to you know morality and objective truth. And uh, when when we think about motivation and what motivates you, if is can something really be good if its motivation is for self advancement? And because if I continue taking that thought to its inevitable end, then that means that. Uh, I should be able to, anything that is for my good is actually good. And then it becomes, well, it's good for me, so I'm going to do that. And if we just, you just keep going, you're saying, well, no, because eventually what's good for you is bad for others. And if we're going to continue talking about being, you know, doing good and motives don't matter, it's like motives have everything to do with what is actually good. I mean, it's the reason that we can say, was the death of Christ good or was it bad? Well, it was bad, but it was good. Why was it good? Because the motive that, of God was that it would be for the substitute of uh, of the righteousness of Christ for the sin of humanity. That the that the death of Christ on the cross was that Christ would absorb the penalty for our sin. So the motivation of God to put His Son on the cross was a good thing. Why was it a good thing? Because the motive. If putting Christ on the cross was because God was just angry and he was trying to get all his anger out, well, that's not a good thing. But it was the motivation for it. Motivations matter. I mean, I can keep going, but the motive of your heart means so much to God. And though something may seem on the surface to be good and righteous, it doesn't actually mean that it is. Yeah, so... I uh, wanted to kind of segue now to point number two, don't settle for less. And so one of the you know things you pointed out to with the assumption in the text saying, you know, but when you do give, talking about when people actually give, mm-hmm. um, how how could we counsel someone in, in our life group? You know, maybe they say something, maybe pull them aside in a one-on-one conversation. They say, hey, our, our, our budget is just feels like it's too tight to give. How would you try to walk them through what the next steps could be? Well, I, I think there are extenuating circumstances to where there, it is possible and there is a situation in which, which someone's budget is so tight that in this season of their life, giving is almost impossible. Uh, but I say that with the exception of saying, but the problem is, is you, if you can't give now, you're not going to give later. Right, the one who will not give a dollar out of ten dollars is not going to give a thousand dollars out of ten thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars out of a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, the point is, like, even if you're making a lot of money, the reality is, is if you're if you won't give out of the little that you have, there is no expectation that you would give out of the abundance that you have. Uh, and so, I on, on one hand, it's like you really need to check your budget and ask yourself the question, like, out of principle. Can I give? You know, if the principle of giving is like, hey, I don't have any money. Well, a dollar is money. If you if you're like, I only make ten bucks. Well, can you give a dollar? Well, you're out. A dollar isn't very much. What am I spending my money on? And so, 
we're going to counsel, hey, let's make sure. Do you have a budget? Do you know what you're spending? Do you know what you're spending on? Do you know that you're spending on all of these subscription services over here? Do you know? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, often it's just we are utilizing our money just for really selfish reasons. And we're not, we haven't really thought much about it or put a plan together to make sure that my uh, finances are, are healthy. And so, I mean, there's a lot of counseling. There's a lot of different veins of counseling I'd go down. Uh, but I have counseled people in the past uh, to, to say, hey, for this season, you probably shouldn't give because right now you're not even, you're going into the red every month because you can't afford to even, to, to be, meet your basic needs. Uh, but I'm also find myself counseling more people to say, you're spending money in places you ought not to. Mm-hmm. Well, then one final question that kind of attacks, not attacks, uh, uh, complements the point, don't settle for less, um, essentially is, how can we help someone see that settling for human praise is just nothing compared to God? How can we walk them through that? We just have to show them what the Bible says, like we did today. I mean, when we look at the text and it says, you know, God desires to reward you, but yet you seek the you seek the reward of human praise. And God, even in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, says that there's a commendation awaiting the faithful. Even in chapter 3, Three of First Corinthians talks about the wood, hay, and straw, and the gold and silver, and uh, and precious jewels, and how all that's going to be thrown into the furnace, and what is left will be, uh, in part, to figure out whether that's your reward or whether your reward comes and commensurate with what's left over. Uh, I mean, this reality that's like you've got to recognize that nothing in this life is worth trading off the blessing that comes from being faithful to God in eternity, uh, and so to me. So somebody with a spiritual mind and a spiritual heart's going to come to that mm-hmm. uh, place in a way that a person with a fleshly mind who doesn't have a regenerate heart is just never going to comprehend or understand. Yeah, I think it's it's helpful for us life completers to really know what yeah what is coming in our eternity with God so that we can convey that wonderful truth. That's something that we talked to the students uh, this last this last weekend about you know kingdom mindset being heavenly minded so that they can realize what is true that this world is not the end game really what's to come is so much sweeter and so much better including the praise that god wants to give his children as you said in the sermon versus the praise that we keep trying to achieve here today mm-hmm. wait one more point i had, had one more question um get to point number three was to give glory to god and mm-hmm. like, give question? to glorify god that's what i meant to say <laughs> give to glorify god talking about finances evan how can we focus on God being our only audience, despite our desire that's in there to gain the praise of others? I mean, that's that's why you would focus on God being the audience of one, because you do desire to gain praise from other people. And if you're not going to spend time, if you're not going to spend your life only having one member in the audience, then you're going to spend your your life with the other all the other people in your life trying to be your audience. And it's it's just like, I mean, it's the same reason why so many people don't share the gospel, because you have a fear of man and little fear of God, that you have a great desire to please man and, and, and a small desire to please God. And as you will grow in your desire to fear and love and desire God more than you fear, love, and desire man, you're going to find that your whole life will become different 
in the way that you talk about Jesus, in the way that you share the gospel, in the way that you give unapologetic truth and love that is both compassionate, genuine, uh, and also had has hard edges because you have an audience of one. You ask, what does God think about this instead of what does man think about this? Uh, not that you should, and, and really it comes down to this. If you believe God's character is is what it says he is, then all the things that would be good for God are going to be, at the end of the day, be good for the hearer. And that's why it's so important that you have an audience of one. Because I can't think of anything that God's word tells me to do that wouldn't be to the ultimate benefit of those around me. But I can think of many, 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 many things that would garner me applause from the crowd that would not be good for me, that would not be good in the glory of God, and that would not be good for the people that are even applauding and praising me. I can't say that about anything that God would tell me would be good and glorifying to him. And then one one more final question on this is, okay, then how can I be, essentially, we know that we were trying to please man, and what you said is, oh, man, what are they going to think of me when I say these hard things or decide to follow God as my only audience? So it sounds like a bit of an odd, generic question, but it's one that I think some of our people think through. How can I be okay with people not being happy with me when I stand for Christ? Like, how can I, what what do I do? How can I get in that place to go? I want to follow God despite what others think of me, but how do I get to that, get to that place? You're going to get to that place when you're spending time with people who are happy that you follow God. And, you know, one of the big concerns that people often have is just that, like, well, people won't like me anymore. It's like, well, get around people who like being with people who love God. Like, I mean, if your problem is you think you're going to lose everybody, because of your relationship with God, you're not spending time with people who love God. And so you're around, you'd be around the wrong audience. You need to find yourself around people who love God, who are going to be very happy when you decide to follow God. I mean, community is so important. And, you know, there's always going to be people on the friends or even family members or, or close friends or maybe even a spouse, depending on who's listening to this, who aren't going to be happy that you have decided to reject your own desire and the desires of people for the desire of God. But ultimately, everything you're still doing is going to be good for them anyway. I mean, maybe not in the way they want, but in the way that would be along the lines of the way God has designed our relationships, it would be very good. Uh, but what you got to make sure you're doing is like, if you find yourself just no one around you is happy that you follow God, you got to find yourself around some new people. That's why community is important. That's why we don't just preach come to church on Sunday. We preach, hey, you need to be in community every week of your life, not just on the life group night, but that is a catalyst for you to be plugged in with people who love the Lord and are happy when you make steps to follow God faithfully. And so as a life group leader, it's in, I mean, and some of you do such a good job with this because I hear testimony of this is telling people this is not where community ends. It's where it starts. It's a catalyst for connecting beyond the night that we have life group. And amen to that. Well, uh, life group stuff. We have yeah. several things on the docket. Yeah, we just want to keep kind. Of, we want to. We're we're tweaking this podcast every week to try to figure out how can we can best help you guys. And so I'm always trying to think about not uh, not only reminders but little trainings and little things that we can do to help you guys lead better. And so even as life group leaders, if you have questions, please ask them, and we can address them not just on our trainings, our physical face to face trainings, but on our week to week podcasts. Uh, one thing of reminder that we have a life group leader training August the 13th, 
And so it is is paramount that you would be there for the health of our church and your life group, that you would prioritize being there on August the 13th after the 11 a.m. service, which is the week before Back to School Bash, which is a very strategic week for us to begin uh, girding ourselves for uh, what is to come with, we, with, with, with what we believe is the growth of our church in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be important for us to gather together and look forward to what God's going to do by praying, encouraging, and training you guys up. Uh, just a word of uh, counsel and apprentice leaders and interviewing them, etc. cetera. Uh, if you don't have an apprentice leader in mind, that's the first thing. Be thinking about people in your life group who can be great apprentices. And you need to take them through the apprentice worksheet that I've given all you guys line by line. Uh, something I'm getting from some of the apprentice, uh, potential apprentice leaders or the apprentice applicants is, I asked them, have you talked to your leader? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we talked to our leader. I'm like, have you guys gone over this document line by line? And they, a lot of times they say, no, we haven't. Well, the problem with that is I'm going to go over with it, go over it with them line by line. And if I'm going to do it, you guys need to do it so that they know what they're getting into. And when by the time they meet with me, they should already have affirmative answers to all of these questions, uh, or you shouldn't have recommended them. And so really the responsibility is for you guys to ask them these questions so that by the time I get they, they get to me, uh, I'm able to just kind of get over them pretty quickly, maybe ask some clarifying questions where need be, and I'm able to you know do more spend more time equipping them and preparing them for the responsibility that lies ahead instead of spending a lot of time trying to make sure that you guys have vetted them. And so and I, what I know is I, I said this, maybe implicitly, but I didn't say it explicitly. So I just want to take this time to remind you, take them through line by line. Don't just give it to them and say, hey, if you think you do these things, sign this. Go with them and say, hey, do you this? Does this, is this? does this represent you? Are you faithful in this? Makes it way better for my meeting. Because uh, not only that, I mean, we're trying to shepherd even the hearts of our apprentice uh, applicants. And by the time they get to me, they may be thinking, oh, this is a home run slam dunk. And I ask a simple question, maybe about their testimony or something else, and then, you know, they then they don't meet the expectations of of what our requirements are for them to be an apprentice leader, and it just deflates them completely. And it's like, well, let's shepherd them better by making sure that by the time they get to a pastoral interview, that you're confident that they're going to be able to move through. If not, that should we we should have that kind of hurdle there that that is y'all you as a life group leader, to keep them from getting to the pastors. And, and again, the pastor's interview is also another hurdle, which is designed to just be that. you got to make sure that we meet the expectation requirements so that uh, they can be leaders. And if they don't, that's another place for it to stop. But the better you guys do at interviewing them line by line, the better we're going to be able to vet them. And then after that, and a lot of you guys have done a good job. I've been interviewing people. It's been really, really wonderful. We're onboarding people even as we speak through Planning Center. And so I'm just really pleased with how this is going. And I just want to keep encouraging you guys and exhorting you. Look for your apprentice leaders, get them through the pipeline, and and get them to a pastoral interview. But make sure you're spending enough time uh, vetting them on your own. Uh, and, and that is like, in contrast with just saying, oh, these could be a good couple. Let me go send them to Pastor Hayden and see what they think. You need to tell me what you think about them before I spend time doing the interview. That way there's a high chance and probability that they will make it through. 
All right. Well, Compass Life Group leaders, we have a whole lot of announcements because our summer is starting to dwindle and our fall is about to begin. So you're going to notice there's going to be a new pattern, kind of more regularity. I'm going to say new pattern. We're going we're gonna to be back into the fall, spring patterns of ministry. Yeah, which is more going to be a nice regular pattern without the, the blast of camps. But speaking of camps, we just had a revival. We did. It was great. People uh, got saved. People mm-hmm. were, were discipled and encouraged in their faith, talking about the kingdom of heaven. So that was encouraging. It was encouraging. We had about just under 60 students. Yep. Yeah, and so it was really encouraging uh, to be able to hear about God-saving students and then really growing and challenging the lives of our middle school and high school students. Uh, you, life Group Leaders, you already mentioned, uh, Pastor Hayden, that we have a meeting on the 13th yeah, of August. Life Group Leader training. And so be sure that we, you know, we'll have child care for you and, and lunch, but be sure to commit to being there. Uh, Pastor Aiden, what are the rest of the announcements? Men's breakfast, Saturday, August 12th from 9 to 11. You know, second Saturday of every month. Yeah, buddy. Summer kids camps. Uh, this is the last weekend to sign up for kids camps. It closes tonight. And so if, if you have anyone who needs to sign up for that, you should probably text them. Probably by the time this even goes live, this podcast, it'll be closed. So uh, back to school bash, August the 20th, after the 11 a.m. service. I want you to encourage your uh, life groups to really lean in to the outreach season that we're about to be in. Go all in, go all out, and watch what God does uh, through your life group, through this church, for the advancement of his kingdom. And we have a church-wide outreach in that vein on August the 5th, 9 a.m. to 1. We're going to go door-to-door. We're going to go to the parks in the community. Then we're going to come back and have lunch and fellowship together. We also have some baptism services coming up. Our August the 27th uh, baptism service is The registration is almost full. We could probably add another one or two people, but we also have another baptism service on October the 15th, and registration is open for that as we speak. So if anyone needs to register for baptism, uh, tell them to to sign up. We got two baptisms coming up with openings at least in October that they can sign up for. And then we also have Adventure Club registrations open, and it starts on August 23rd. So if you you have families in your life groups, ensure yourself that you will remind your life group to sign up for Adventure Club uh, as we are approaching the start date for Adventure Club this fall. So life group leaders, you have any questions, we'd love to help answer them. We're going to have our congregational questions, the questions that people have asked from the sermon uh, live on our uh, Compass Equip podcast. So I encourage you guys to hop on over there after you've listened to your Life Group Leader podcast and hear the questions and answers from the congregation concerning the sermon. We'll see you guys over there.